This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. There's a comfort here, and the comfort here is that Christ's grip is firm in John 10, 28, John 10, 28. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So what he's describing here is that on the believer are two hands. There's the hand of Christ, and there's the hand of God the Father. And he's saying no disaster even this great tribulation is able to wrench the believers out of the two hands. The two grips are stronger than this great tribulation. And so he's really describing here that this great tribulation is being monitored very carefully by God, and it's allowed to go so far to the point where of destroying those that Christ calls the elect, and then the tribulation stops. Now when Christ uses the term elect, He meant those who were saved and those who would be saved as the elect is described in 1 Peter 1.2. 1 Peter 1.2 where he says, you are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. That means that God the Father, foreknowledge of God the Father in 1 Peter 1.2, that means that God the Father looked down the tunnel of time and had what the Bible calls the foreknowledge of God the Father, that he could see who was going to come to Christ and those he calls the elect. But the choice to come to Christ and be saved is 100% up to the individual person. God does not choose who will be saved. Man makes that choice. God knows in advance who's gonna make that choice. Man chooses Christ. God then, in response to that choice, elects that person to be saved. It all starts with man. It does not start with God, contrary to Calvinism. And the days of this tribulation are cut short so that those who will come to Christ will live to be able to come to Christ. Now, Christ warns that deceivers would have great power. They would show great signs, they would show wonders, and it's these great signs and wonders that they have the power to do that are the tools that they're going to use to get the people to believe a lie. In verse 24, he says the false Christs are gonna come, false prophets are gonna come. They're gonna show great signs and wonders in so much that if it was possible, they would deceive the very elect. But when Christ does return, he said there'd be a lightning flash 
a lightning flash that's going to be seen around the world in verse 27, verse 27, as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So this flash of lightning, lightning is very scary. It's very frightening. Last night in Loretto, I wish I could show you the picture of this. There was a lightning storm and my friend took a picture because I had left in the morning, but it was a huge bolt of lightning that he got a picture of that was just behind Coronado Island and it, with several veins going out. And it's scary. It's scary. And a flash of lightning puts everyone scared. And it makes people alert because they know that the thunder is going to be heard. And lightning is like an announcement that the thunder is soon on the heels. It's gonna, it builds an anticipation. And that's what this worldwide lightning is going to do. It's going to make people stop from whatever they're doing and make everyone expect the next event, which is the thunder, the class of the crash. And only when Christ comes, it's not going to be a thunder, a literal thunder, but it's going to be the thunder of his return. And so after this tribulation, there's going to be great changes that he's describing. And one of them, he says, is the sun. The sun is going to be darkened. The sun which is the source of all light, and since the moon has no light of, of herself, the moon merely reflects borrowed light from the sun, so the moon stops to reflect sun, uh, light. I mean, we can't imagine a world with no sun. The sun is just something that everybody takes for granted. You just take it for granted. It reminds me of the time when I was working at the VA hospital, and I started to work there in 1974, and uh, the hospital was, it was about two years old, and as you would expect from any government construction job, it was not finished. And so um, anyway, there'd been, a, there'd been a very large earthquake, you may remember, in Silma, California, that actually destroyed the VA hospital up there. And so you know, patients were transferred down to uh, La Jolla. And, uh, and I worked in the endocrinology department on the top floor, which was the research floor. And there was one afternoon I was working up there and there was an earthquake. There was an earthquake that shook the building. Now we were all told that the, the government had built this to earthquake standards, so we had no fear. <laughs> but when this earthquake came and the building shook, I was so shocked to hear people actually scream in terror. They screamed out in terror. And the reason they, and I started thinking about why were they screaming? And the reason they were screaming is because there are just some things in life that we rely on as unchangeable. And we never think of the possibility that those things might change. And one of those things is a stable ground. I mean, we rely on the fact that the ground doesn't move. That's kind of like a given, you know, it's, it's terra firma. And when the ground moves, that can be very disturbing and it, causes, and it causes people to just scream. Another thing that we rely on is the sun, the sun shining. And if the sun should stop shining, it'd, disturb, it'd be disturbing to the core and people would just scream. And this is what Christ is referring to in verse 29, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven. So well, this is one of these great changes. And David spoke about these great changes in Psalm 102, verse 25. Psalm 102, 25, when he said, of old thou hast laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shall endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. 
but thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. So God laid the foundations of the heavens and the earth, and we look at them and we say, the sun, it's never gonna stop shining. The sun is gonna, the stars, they're always gonna be up there. The moon will always give us light. But God says, no, that's not right. All of those things are gonna perish. They're all gonna be like clothing that's been worn out for a long time, and it just, it's gonna be changed. The sun, the moon, the stars to something new. Now that's very disturbing. Very disturbing. And God says there's one thing that will never change and will always be the same. And David said in Psalm 102, 27, Psalm 102, 27, he said, thou art the same and thy year shall have no end. Same just like it says in Hebrews 13, 8. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just like the hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground, sinking sand. All other ground, sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood. Support me in the whelming flood. When all around I, my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. So, the lightning flashes across the earth, across the world. The sun stops to shine, the thunder rolls, the thunder is, verse 30, verse 30, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So we can assume that the light that replaces the sun now comes from Christ, from his body. It says in Isaiah 60, verse 19, Isaiah 60, verse 19, the sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light and thy God thy glory. Thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light and the days of thy morning shall be ended. What that just said in Psalm 60 verse 19 was, the sun shall be no more. The sun's gonna stop shining for the first time since God created. God created the sun in Genesis 1.15, Genesis 1.15, where he said, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God sent them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. And man that was born has looked at that sun and that stars and that moon and said, they're always been there. And man today says, for billions of years, they've always been there for billions of years. They just came, they enabled evolution through a series of small random changes over a long period of time to produce man. And people actually believe that with all their heart and with all their soul, they believe that. That's the foundation that they use for just saying God does not exist. It reminds me of when I was um, when I was at UCSD in 1971. I was in the third graduating class. The school started in 1969, and there was just a small handful of believers of Christ uh, on campus. We were we were not large enough to have any campus crusade for Christ or University Christian Fellowship or Navigators, and we decided in a little tiny group that we were that we would do something outrageous, which is we were going to organize the first 
uh, creation evolution debate on campus, which was the last one also. <laughs> it, was the, it was the first one and it was the last one. On the creation side was Dr. Dwayne Gish and on the evolution side was, was my professor, Dr. Murray Goodman. He was a professor of biochemistry. I was a biochemistry major and, and uh, Dr. Goodman had a big impact on my life. I respected him greatly. And Dr. Gish, uh, at the debate, presented his bombardier beetle example as evidence of irreducible complexity, that you couldn't have these parts evolve unless they all came together at one time, and, and um, they couldn't come about piece by piece. And Dr. Goodman presented the evidence of the similarities between species, and one species had to come from another, as he said. And so the argument went on back and forth, the debate, and, and at one point, Dr. Goodman uh, made a statement that just crystallized the whole issue for me, when he said, he turned to Dr. Gish, he said, Dr. Gish, he says, it's not that my theory of evolution is more plausible than your theory of creation. It's just, I cannot accept the alternative. And when he said that, it was eureka, that was the light. What Dr. Goodman was saying was, the problem with the theory of creation is that it, you have to accept that there was a creator. That's the problem. And what he was saying is that, I cannot accept the existence of God. That's what he was saying. And Dr. Goodman could not accept that God exists, and yet Dr. Goodman was Jewish, and Dr. Goodman was the president of the conservative synagogue Bethel, Temple Bethel. I'm sure he would have said about Judaism, what's God got to do with Judaism? That is right. And so Dr. Goodman is like so many people whose foundational belief in life is that there's no God. And when this worldwide lightning flash is seen and the old sun and the old moon and the stars stop, as it says in Isaiah 60, verse 19, Isaiah 60, verse 19, where it says, the sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee. And verse Isaiah 60, verse 20, Isaiah 60, verse 20, the sun shall no more go down, neither shall the moon withdraw itself in there. And then when we put that together, with verse 30, Matthew 20, verse 30, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. When that great flash of lightning happens, and the sun and the moon and the stars stop, and then Christ is seen in this as the new light of Isaiah 60, verse 19, the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light. And again, verse 20 of Isaiah 60, verse 20, the Lord shall be thine everlasting light. And how Christ is seen in the skies will be twice, he said, as Matthew verse 24, verse 30, verse 30, verse 30, he said, the sign of the Son of Man, they shall see the Son of Man, he said. Christ will be seen as a man, a real man, with nail marks in his hands and his feet. There'll be no doubt about who he is, He'll be seen with light coming from his body, just like he was seen on the Mount of Transfiguration when it says in Mark 9:2, Mark 9:2, after six days Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up into an high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow. So when all this happens, and Christ is seen in this tremendous glory as a man, the man who was crucified, now as the Lord shining with such a light that he's replacing the sun and the moon and the stars, there's gonna be two responses from two different groups of people. The first group of people will be believers, and they've been mourning, they've been sad, they've been crying, 
because during this whole great tribulation, that's what is gonna generate in them. But when Christ appears, Isaiah 60 verse 20 says, Isaiah 60 verse 20, the days of thy mourning shall be ended. So they're happy, very happy when Christ comes. But then there's another group of people, and these are the people who believe that there is no God. These are the people who believe that there's no judge of their sins. There's no Christ that they need to put their trust in to be safe from their sins. They are the people who believe that there's no creator who made them. And they are the people who believe that the sun and the moon and the stars have been for billions of years in the past and are gonna be that enabled evolution and that they're gonna be for billions of years in the future. These are the people whose foundations of their belief rest on 2 Peter 3, 4, 2 Peter 3, 4, for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. There's no change. Ecclesiastes 1.9, Ecclesiastes 1.9, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. There's no new thing under the sun. So when this group of people see this disturbing sight of the flash and the sun and the moon and stopping, and then the man, Jesus Christ, appears in the sky with this brilliant radiance that replaces the sun, their response is gonna be like those at the VA hospital in La Jolla. They're gonna scream for terror. Their response is gonna be, oh no, it's all true. And I believed a lie and it's too late for me now. They're gonna be like those who, who in Zechariah, the Jewish people who say, where did you get those wounds in your hands? And he's gonna say, oh, I got those in the house of my friends. And they're gonna have one response, and their response is gonna be verse 30, verse 30, then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They're gonna mourn because they realize that while they were saying that there's no God, they should have been confessing that Jesus Christ is God. And they're gonna mourn because they're gonna realize it's now too late. They're gonna mourn because they're gonna realize that when they were teaching their children and their students that there's no creator and no God, they should have been teaching that Jesus Christ is John 1.1, 1, 1, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. They're gonna mourn because they're gonna realize they should have been teaching Colossians 1.15, Colossians 1.15, that Christ is the image of the invisible God, and for by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in the earth, invisible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, or principalities of powers. All things were created by him and for him. He's before all things, and all, by him all things consist. And they're gonna mourn because they're gonna realize it's too late. They're gonna mourn because when they see all these things, they're gonna realize that when they were talking and taking the name of Jesus Christ in vain as a swear word, they should have been doing what it says in Philippians 2.10, Philippians 2.10, at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in all things. And they're gonna mourn because they're gonna know that the name of Jesus should have been bowed to and worshiped to and not laughed at as a joke, and it's too late. Now, we're told that what's gonna happen next in this sequence is that Jesus Christ tells us in verse 31, verse 31, he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they'll gather together as elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So. The lightning flashes, there's this great trumpet sound. Only this trumpet sound, it's a calling sound and it comes to every person on the earth and it says in Revelation 1-7, Revelation 1-7, behold he cometh with clouds, every eye shall see him, they also which pierced him, 
and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. So there's a special group that's going to see him. They're called the they also which pierced him. And who are they? They are the Zechariah 12.10, Zechariah 12.10, where God says, I will pour grace upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants, the spirit of grace, and they'll look upon me whom they have pierced and mourn for him. So it's the house of David. It's the inhabitants of Jerusalem. It's the Jewish people who are the ones who pierced him. That's what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.14, 1 Thessalonians 2.14. You brethren became followers of the churches of God, which is in Judea, and you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and persecuted us. So when Christ returns, the Jewish people will realize that when they turned Christ over to the Romans to be crucified and they killed their own Messiah, their own God, they're gonna mourn greatly for what they've done. It's gonna be a tremendous, what have we done? But Christ is going to pour on them the spirit of grace and they're going to then have a special fountain open for them, the fountain of Zechariah 13.1. Zechariah 13.1, in that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. First, the tremendous mourning on the part of the Jewish people, and then the tremendous cleansing, the tremendous forgiveness for their sins. The Lord now turns and as if he said, I've told you a lot of information, I've told you a lot of details, and it's caused your head to swim and really the question is, how are you supposed to use all this information? What are you supposed to do with it all? And he says, the way you should use this is in verse 32, verse 32. He says, learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and put it forth through leaves, you know the summer is nigh. So likewise, when you should see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. And then he says, this generation shall not pass to all these be fulfilled. So he's telling us, Look, when you see a fig tree and you see the blossoms and you see the buds, you know what's coming next. You know the fruit of the fig trees are coming. Are coming. So when you see the lawlessness, the earthquakes, the pandemics, the deceptions and the wars and so forth, understand that we're heading forward toward the return of Christ. And then he said, heaven and earth, in verse 35, verse 35 he says, heaven and earth shall pass away but my word shall not pass away. He didn't say that heaven and earth may pass away. He said, it's gonna pass away. Just as it says in 2 Peter 3.10, 2 Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are there and shall be burned up. Just like the hymn says, the Bible stands, though the hills may tumble, it will firmly stand when the earth shall crumble. I'll plant my feet on its firm foundation. The Bible stands, the Bible stands. And Christ said that it was, at one point he said, another part he said, as far as a rich man getting into heaven, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, he used the same it's easier words in Luke 16, 17. Luke 16, 17, he said, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Tittle is very tiny Hebrew mark that's used in writing. And he said that it, it's more difficult for a tittle in the Bible to be changed than it is for heaven and earth to pass away. Heaven and earth is gonna pass away, but his words won't pass away. And what he's specifically talking about in his words is the gospel, the gospel. Just like the hymn of the, from the Ozarks, 
puts it, oh my loving brother, when the world's on fire, don't you want God's bosom to be your pillow? Hide me safely in the rock of ages, rock of ages cleft for me. What that hymn is saying is that all that really matters is the gospel. And the gospel is going to endure, and that's why the gospel is worth singing about. The gospel is the fact that because Christ, there's a fact that Christ used his blood to pay the price of our sins. And so therefore we sing, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. The gospel is the fact that Christ used his blood to open the door of heaven for us. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.